Check, check, my check. Wow, this is such a beautiful place. I mean, uh, I envy your church because it's so wonderful. It's like, man, praise God for all of you for putting this together because, man, it's an amazing building. And I know uh, it's such, I want to be honest with you, it's been a rough month for us as a church because, as you know, Martha Carter, you know, she had a, a stroke. And, uh, and I heard that she grew up at this church and she served there for many, many years. And, um, but God is good and he's faithful because, man, she's beating the odds. She took her first steps. Praise Jesus. And she's talking. She's talking. She's, you know, she's getting better day by day. God is so good and faithful that, you know, we're currently in a, in a position where we have to help them as a family. So if the Lord puts in your heart that you want to help because, you know, their house has to be, you know, remodeled in a sense so that she has the freedom, especially to use the restroom. So we're in a process of just trying to gather finances and try to find help, you know, for them as a couple. But, our, you know, really broke my heart when I heard the news um, because she's such a sweet, loving lady, right? She's so sweet and she's so thoughtful. And, you know, what's awesome about her, she really wants to spend time with you. So she's not the type to just like, okay, just say a few words. She'll be with you and really get to know you and really, you know, spend quality time with you. That's what I love about Martha and you know, and I'm also blessed because she gets to, you know, work alongside my wife. Where's my wife, Release, by the way? She's right there. Yeah, we, we've been together for 23 years. Yeah, a long time. But we've been married for 13. I know you might look like, what? Uh, how old are you? You know, I get that a lot. I know they're like, what? I'm actually 39, so I'm, I'm, I'm up there in age, okay? <laughs> I'm up there in age. Yeah. I've been serving the Lord since uh, 2003 or so with youth ministry. I, my heart and passion is for young people, especially this generation, because a lot of them, we're losing a lot of them. You know, if, I don't know if you can tell, but as you look around, a lot of young people are disinterested in, in God and the church. And, you know, but I, I truly believe through the faithfulness of you guys and our, and our family through prayer and us dedicating our lives to Jesus in, in God's perfect time. Your loved ones will come back to the Lord. Amen? And those who don't know the Lord, they'll come to know the Lord. I truly believe it's, it's you guys who have pioneered because I really love my grandparents. You know, my grandparents mean a lot to me because it's because of them I'm standing here before you. Because I grew up as a rebellious kid. I didn't care for church. I was the guy in the back who would just sleep, who was bribed to go to church and forced to go to church many years of my life. But next thing you know, in two, um, 2016... I, you know, God, I mean 2016, not, not even 2016, 2001. That's how long ago it was. I went to a church camp, and I encountered the Lord there. And my life has never been the same because I found the love that cleanses me from my sins. I found the love that heals my broken heart because I grew up in a broken family. So, you know, it's always my heart to try to find love, to try to find meaning and purpose. And it was Jesus who brought that to me. Amen? And I'm pretty sure he brought that to you. So I'm really blessed, and I really appreciate this church because this is a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church. That's kind of like my heart and passion, too, because a lot of churches these days, you either see uh, just, um, you know, just more seniors, and you see a lot of churches just mainly just young people. But I truly believe in order to be, you know, impactful, we have to be a generational church. Amen? We have to be generational, multi-ethnic, and that's how we are, because actually 20. 21 is when we merged because the Lord, I, I sense a calling when I was walking around the neighborhood to go to Eagle Rock. And I was there, I was like, Lord, 20, how am I going to, I don't know anybody here. 
And then next thing you know, I was calling different places, and I met Pastor Fred, you know, Pastor Fred Carter. And we connected really well. We both went to APU, and I know there's some of you went to APU. Cougars, let's go. And uh, <laughs> I still like our mascot. Cougars, this doesn't sound right to many people when you hear that word. <laughs> but yes, you know, we connected really well. We both love basketball. I'm a basketball guy. The only problem is Fred's a Celtic guy, and I'm a Laker guy, okay? So that's where we, we, we you know, we clash on that sense, but we both love basketball. You know, we're both music junkies, you know, so... You know, God is so good, and I'm just so happy to be part of the covenant because I'm new to the covenant. It's only been like three years in the covenant, but I love it because it's so, there's such a, there's a strong sense of community and really care for each other. And that's what I love about it. And I'm so blessed to come here to you guys to know my extended family. Amen. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to get to know you guys to just really build this relationship. And, uh, and I'm just so thankful. So are you guys ready for God's word this morning? Amen. Praise God. I just want to start off with prayer. Jesus, um, I come before you, Lord, humbly, Lord. And I know, God, it's you who brings us here. It's not an accident that you brought us here this very moment to worship you, to praise you, and also to receive a fresh revelation from you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give me clear speech and thought, that you guide my mind and guide my lips to whatever you want me to say, Jesus. So, God, have your way this morning, I pray that your spirit will impact at least one soul. Lord, I just always pray for one soul to be touched through the word of God. So, Lord, I just pray that today will be a day for that one person to come to the Lord, to repent, to, to just see who Jesus is. So, bless this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm super blessed because I get to start off this new series that Pastor Kirk, you know, has put together. It's called Stuff Jesus Never Said. And that's what I pray is that, you know, this word will really cling to your heart. Uh, I know you guys read the scriptures Mark 12, 28 to 34 this week, and also Luke 9, 18 to 26. So, so for today, Jesus never said, as long as you're happy, that's what matters. Jesus never said, as long as you're happy, that's what matters. As, as you look in culture today, that is what's being preached is whatever makes you happy, go for it, right? Whatever makes you happy, even if you know, it doesn't feel right, but if it makes you happy, go for it. Go for it. But we know as Christians, we don't allow our feelings to drive us, right? We don't allow our emotions because we know Satan himself tried to tempt Adam and Eve, right? Hey, if you eat of this, you know, you'll be like God. That temptation of wanting to be controlled. And even Jesus was also experiencing temptation as well, but he would stand it. Therefore, we have victory over our feelings that are not of God. Because every feeling we feel... It is not necessarily truth. Amen? Just because you feel it, just because you desire it, doesn't mean you follow it. And, and what's countercultural today is that's what you see, right? It's like whatever you feel, go for it. But we know in Jesus, we don't follow everything we feel. We have to use the word of God and we have to ask the word of God to lead us and guide us whether what we feel is truth or not. Okay? So let's go dive into Mark 12. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked of all the commandments, which is the most important. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So what's awesome about this is that these religious leaders knew that Jesus knows the scriptures really well. And they wanted to test them further. So they're like, out of all the commandments that the Lord has put in the word of God, what is the most important? And Jesus answered correctly. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. How many of us have fulfilled that commandment? I don't think any of us could fulfill that commandment, right? To love God with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. But what's awesome is Jesus did it for us. Amen? He's the only one who was perfect who was able to perfect this, to love God with all his heart, soul, mind, strength. Therefore, we understand that we need the Holy Spirit to help us to love God with all our mind, soul, strength. Amen? And we need to rely on him, especially to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we see Jesus answering correctly of what it, what it really means, okay? So what does society say? Society says this, be your own God. Make up your own moral guidelines or commandments to be happy. Be your own God. Make up your own moral guidelines or commandments to be happy. Today, a lot of young people or this generation, they don't want rules. They don't want commandments. They don't want none of that. They want to follow themselves. And, and what's cultural today is, hey, be your own God. Make up your own guidelines. But we know for a fact when you follow what's outside of God's guidelines, it's full of darkness. It's full of brokenness. Amen. But when we follow God's truth and his guidelines for how our lives should be lived, it becomes a beautiful, fruitful life. Amen? That's why I praise God for many of you because uh, my grandparents meant a lot to me because they loved the Lord so much. And it's because of them I'm standing here today. So I really appreciate those who have served the Lord for many, many years. So my question for you guys, if you've been here for more than 10 years, I want you to see a show of hands. 10 years. Praise. Wow, that's a lot. Let's give a round of applause to that. Okay, you've been here for 15 years, show of hands. Whoa, wow. 20 years, more than 20 years. Wow, praise the Lord. Praise God for all. Let's give a round of applause to all of you. Woo. Because you guys are the pioneers. You steadfast, you stayed in faith. You persevered and never gave up. You never allowed the culture to stop you from going to church and serving the Lord, right? Because there's many people who drop out later in their life. But I'm so thankful for you guys because you stood, you stood strong and you're waiting till the end till you see Jesus and say, Jesus is Lord. Amen? So like I said, we are not here to follow or be our own God. We're not here because I know a lot of us would say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, yes, like every religion will lead to the Lord. That sounds good to our own our ears, right? That every religion leads to the Lord. But Jesus said he's the only way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So even though it sounds good that we want and we want to be our own gods and make these own ideas and rules about life and about God, but we know his truth is the only truth that remains. And we have to, when we follow it, it becomes a fruitful, it becomes a blessed, you know, life for us and our, and our loved ones. So my prayer is this, is that you won't allow the culture, you won't allow your own feelings to dictate what you do with your life, but you allow the word of God and the spirit of God to lead and direct your decisions. Amen? Because when you follow his leading and direction, it becomes a fruitful path for you and your family. Secondly, society says, 
You don't need God to find love. Love others and love yourself. That's very, that's, that's a, a thing that's being, every song that you hear, every billboard will say, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. But how can you love yourself if you don't know who's the true author of love? The only true author of love is God, amen? Through Jesus Christ. He is the author of love. So if you know God, you know love. And you know how to love others. And you know how to love yourself. But if you don't have God in your life, you will always be in that place yearning for more. That's why a lot of people hop into one relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another relationship. Because they're trying to find that love in people. And you'll never find it apart from Jesus. Because he's the only one who can heal your heart. He's the one who can make you whole. He's the one that designed you and knitted you before you in your mother's womb. He knows every single thing about you. And once you know that love in Christ, you will be grounded on solid ground where nobody can shake you no matter what they say or do to you. You will remain firm and strong because your love is grounded in God. Amen? And that's why it's so important because, yes, your spouse will hurt you. Yes, your family, your loved ones will hurt you. People will betray you and do you wrong. But the one thing that keeps me together is knowing that Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. Amen? And that's why we need to ground ourselves in his love, not in others, not in people, but in Jesus. So what is true happiness? Number one is this. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let him guide and direct your path. And I tell you, it's going to be a beautiful path that's full of blessing and full of light and full of glory. And that's why, you know, the Lord had to realign me. Because when I was a new Christian, I struggled. I had addictions in my life. I had some stuff I struggled with that I didn't want anybody to know about. But I said, Lord, you are Lord of my life. You're the only one who can change me. You're the one who can mold me. Because I could have been that person in culture who says, you know what? I have these feelings, so let me just go for it and just follow it. This is maybe who I am. This is my identity. And a lot of times we think that's what we're going to be and we can never be changed. That's why we think that, hey, I should just might as well just live this way or forever be this way. But no, when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Amen? That the old is past and the new has come. When you allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life, he will change you and mold you and remove those gunk and remove the, the stuff that you struggle with to make you more like his son, Jesus. Amen? So I want to encourage you, make him the Lord of your life. Even if you have these emotions you're struggling with, these addictions, these habits, don't think that, okay, I cannot change or I cannot become a new person. Yes, you can. Let him be the Lord of your life because he alone will change you. You cannot change yourself, right? Can you change your spouse? No. Can you change your children? No. I've tried many times to change my children. But you know what I do? Every day I say, Jesus, only you can handle my kids, Lord. I need your patience, Jesus. I need steadfastness. I need, Lord, uh, unconditional love. Help me to love my children the way you have loved me. Okay, make Jesus the Lord of your life. Number two, this is so important. Number two, rely on the Holy Spirit to love God, to love others, and to love yourself. I, can, I cannot tell you without me praying every day for the Spirit of God to empower me to be the best husband I could be to my wife. To be the best father I could be to my kids. To be the best disciple and child of Jesus Christ is something I do every day. Because without him, I cannot do it. Every day, I rely on him. If you try to rely on yourself, you're going to fail to love and be the best husband or wife. To be the best mother or father. You need the spirit of God to help you to, to succeed and to be the best you can be for his glory. Because remember, these children have been entrusted to us. And, and they're not going to always be the way we, we thought they'll become. 
but we just got to entrust them to the Lord because truly they belong to the Lord. Amen? They don't really belong to us. So rely on the Holy Spirit. You need the Spirit of God to help you find true happiness in, in being the best husband, the best wife, or, or the best employee, whatever you are, and disciple of Jesus Christ. Continue on with the scripture in Mark 12, 32. The teacher of the religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart, with all my understanding, and with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. Here's a key phrase. This is more important than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifice required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood this, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. What's interesting here is like these religious leaders agreed with Jesus. Like, yes, what you said is true, that we need to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And here's a key phrase. This is more important than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifice required in the law. When I was a new Christian, I struggled a lot with works. Because I thought when I, when I, since I'm a new Christian, I got to work for my sins to be forgiven. I got to work my way for me to earn God's blessing and for him to love me. I didn't realize that I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So the Lord had to really work in me because I thought, like, I got to do, 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 do. So I lived, there was a season in my life where I just kept doing a lot of stuff for the Lord. Doing a lot of stuff, but I ended up getting burned out. I ended up getting burned out because I didn't realize that I need to serve and do everything by God's grace and by, through reliance of the Holy Spirit. I thought I had to do, 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 which religion says. If you look at all the religions out there, it's, all they preach to you is you got to do this or that in order to get into the kingdom of God. That's why you see people riding their bikes, knocking on doors. Like they're doing uh, so much things to try to win their, the world for their particular religion or their church. But we know as Christians, we don't serve out of, uh, out of dues. We serve out of love. Amen? We go to church because we love Jesus. We serve God because we love Jesus. Not because we're trying to earn salvation, earn forgiveness, trying to earn blessings. We know that it's by God's grace that we have everything we have. So society says, your worth and value is based on what you do. Your worth and value is based on what you do. That's why they said, oh, what can you contribute? You, you base your identity in all your gifts and talents. But what if it goes away? What if you struggle in your health and that goes away? There's a lot of people who identify themselves through those avenues. Work tirelessly, they say, to be at the top. Make all the money possible. Work extremely hard to enjoy retirement. How many people actually get to enjoy retirement, right? There's some people, they work super hard, and next thing you know, after they retire, their health starts to deplete, right? I've seen so many people who are, you know, they're retired, and now they can't really enjoy their life. They just base their identity on their works, on the stuff that they do. But if you base it on that, you're on a sinking sand. You'll eventually crumble. You need to find your worth and value in God, not on what you do. Because what you would do will eventually, you'll eventually, it'll eventually stop. You know, you're not going to be doing what you're doing forever. It's a, it will eventually stop. Religion says you need to spend your whole life paying back for all the wrong you've done. You need to pay back. That's what religion says. You need to spend your whole life paying back for all the work you've done. That's why there's so many people working tirelessly every day trying to earn salvation, trying to earn forgiveness. 
but they don't realize the truth. What is the third truth I want to share to you guys? Place your value and worth in Jesus Christ. Where's happiness? Placing your worth and value in Jesus Christ, not no one else. Because if you place your worth and value on things and material things and your money, you'll become dry and empty like those things. But if you worship God, if you praise him, you become life-giving to other people. You become full of love, full of joy, and full of peace. Remember, who you worship, who you love, you become like, right? So if the more you worship your money, your possessions, and those things, you'll end up dry and empty and lost and meaningless like many of those things are. But if you worship and value Jesus, wow, you'll be strong, you'll be vibrant, and you will grow to fulfill God's purpose for your life. And number four, remember this, Jesus made the final offering and sacrifice for all your sins. I was so, man, it was, I was so relieved when I heard this news because I didn't realize this. When I was a Christian, I was doing a bunch of things. I was serving in the music ministry. I was going out preaching every, every street corner. And, and when I was in Glendale Community College, I was, every class, I would go out there, just work tirelessly. Of course, it's great and awesome, but the thing is, I didn't realize I need to do everything I do for, um, in worship and praise to God and out of love, not out of works. So the Lord had to really let me understand that he did all the work for me, that he paid the highest price for all my sins. Therefore, everything I do for the Lord is out of love and out of worship and adoration for all he's done for me. Are you thankful for what Jesus has done for you? Are you grateful that he saved you, that he redeemed you, that he gave you new life? And everything that we need to do is out of love, out of appreciation that I don't need to pay for my sins anymore. Jesus paid it for all for me. Now I could live a guilt-free, shame-free life. Amen? So stop holding on to the guilt. Stop holding on to the shame because like my sister, when she had a, you know, a divorce, it really, she really struggled. She felt like, oh, my, I'm, I committed a, you know, a bad sin. And so she kept serving in the children's ministry. And she didn't realize that she was doing it because of guilt, because of shame. And the Lord had to realign her perspective and understand that we don't serve out of that guilt and shame. We serve out of love and appreciation for what God has done. Because what's sad is in my country, in the Philippines, where I'm from, um, every Easter week, Holy Week, you know what they would do? This is a terrible thing. It's a disrespect to Jesus. But every year they would actually whip themselves and they would try to, you know, crawl to the cross and nail themselves to the cross because they feel so bad for their sins and they're like, oh, I need to pay back for all the stuff I've done. But that's actually disrespect because it says in scripture that he made the final sacrifice once for all. Amen? So we no longer need to make the sacrifices ourselves for our sins. We just need to worship and adore and praise Jesus that he paid it for me, that I can live a free life now. Amen? And now the next scripture that you guys dived into this week is in Luke 9. I want to dive into that. It says in verse 18, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him. And he asked of them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others say you are one of the ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. What's interesting here is like you would think like, okay, why would he ask this question? Because we know Jesus didn't really care for people's approval. He didn't care for people's praise because if he were to try, try to if he were to try to do that, he would try to win the approval of the religious leaders. Because during that time, if 
you know, the religious leaders were the most prominent and most respected people in society. And if Jesus were trying to get their, you know, people's praise, he would try to get their approval. But we know Jesus always clashed with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes, right? But what's interesting here is that Jesus wanted to give a personal revelation to Peter of who he is. That's why he says, look, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're one of the, the ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked of them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. You see, that revelation was only from Jesus that he began to understand like, yes, Jesus is the true Messiah. And that's what we need today in culture. We don't need to shove Jesus in people's throats. We don't need to force people to come to Jesus. We just need to pray for them to come to that realization and to have that moment where they encounter Jesus Christ for themselves. Amen? Because if you don't have a personal encounter with God, you will never change. Your family will never change. Your loved ones will never change. But when they personally encounter Jesus, wherever they are in life, that is where transformation and true happiness begins. So what does society say? Society says, your happiness is based on people's opinion. Live your life making sure that people are pleased and are, you know, think well of you. That's what society says. And society says, you'll be happy if many people adore you and follow you. We live in that culture today because back in the days, and some of you are part of that, we didn't have social media, right? And, and, but now anybody could be famous. They could just have to just press record or, you know, go on live feed. And then next thing you know, they have many followers and all that. A lot of people are living by that, by having people's praise and adoration and, and good opinion of themselves. But how many of you know, actually most of them, a lot of them, are dealing with low self-esteem. A lot of them are actually broken. A lot of them are seeking attention because they're not getting it at home. That's why they're doing all of these things. But we know for a fact that we can never base our happiness on what people think because we'll never please anybody, right? So never live your life trying to please your parents or trying to please others. Please God. If God puts in your heart, this is the career path that he wants you to take, go for it even if people are against it. But if it's from the Lord and he really impresses it deep within you, go for it. You cannot allow people to direct and lead your life. Jesus is the one who created you, and he made you and molded you, so he knows your purpose and destiny. So we cannot find happiness in pleasing others. We cannot find happiness in wanting many people to like us or to love us. Because we know many of them are actually empty and broken within. I love what Cornelius Lindsay said. If you live off man's compliments, you'll die from his criticism. If you live off man's compliments, you'll die from his criticism. I struggled with this because when I was a new Christian, I grew, like I said, I grew up from a broken home. So I didn't get the attention. I didn't get the love. So I didn't realize this, but the Lord made me realize when I was serving and doing stuff at church, I was doing it to try to win people's praise and win people's love. God really had to change my heart. Because I was so worried and, and wanting people to adore me, to appreciate me. That's why I was doing all these things. Hey, look what I'm doing. You know, look at the stuff I'm doing. I'm so active in church and all that stuff. But God had to really change my heart. He really had to change me. He made me see it. I didn't see it for a while. I didn't realize I was getting my fuel and getting my fuel from people's praise and adoration of me. God had to really change me and let me see that I cannot base my life on people's opinions. I got to base it in what the Lord leads me and what he wants me to do. Amen? Fifth, seek God's opinion and guidance and direction for your life. 
seek God's opinion, guidance, and direction for your life. I really recommend this because this has been a routine for me is having my daily walks with Jesus because I, I get, I'm ADHD, so I, I struggle. You know, I can't just sit there and pray. I got to walk and pray. So for me, it really helped. It's really helped for me. Every day I really seek God and, and asking him, Lord, I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need your opinion of what I should do. Not what they think I should do, but what you want me to do. And when you live by that, man, you're going to see fruitfulness and blessings. Amen? Continuation, verse 21. Jesus warned his disciples to not tell anyone who he was. Look at this. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. So we see here that Jesus knew his purpose and his calling in his life. And the thing is, people have this wrong idea of when you come to Jesus, your life is just going to be beautiful, roses, flowers, it's going to be bloom. There's no problems, no storms. That's actually not true. When you come to Jesus, there's actually more trials, right? Because now the enemy's against you. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming your way. So it's a lie to say that when you come to Christ, everything's going to be beautiful and perfect. But even for Jesus, he knew his calling and purpose. He said, the son of man must suffer many terrible things. And there's some of you, you went through a series of suffering. You went through a series of difficulty in your health. And there's some of you who, who've lost loved ones. There's some of you who are still grieving. And there's some of you are going through a process of, you know, struggle with your spouse. And you're debating what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And you're in this terrible place. There's many of us who's going through a season of challenges in our life. But what I love about it, Jesus says, but, but, but. So that's my encouragement is that you will not give up. No matter what you're facing right now, it's part of God's story of your life that he wants to use for his glory and for your good. Amen. So my prayer is that we will accept it. That yes, even though I don't want to go through this, it's a challenging for me, but I know God is with me and he will guide me. You know, I'm in a, I'm a similar position as Pastor Kurt. I didn't realize he's moving to a new place. I'm actually in the process of moving to a new place as well. So it's pretty crazy because... You know, just a month ago, you know, our landlord, which I lived in this place for more than 10 years, says, oh, they need the place back. So we were in a struggle. We're like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? But the Lord told me, don't be anxious, but pray. Don't be anxious and pray. That's what I did. I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And, man, God is so good. Just this week, actually, just last week, we, we got a new place, and now we're in the process of moving. Actually, after this, I'm going to be moving as well, just like Pastor Kurt. So I'm in the same position right now. But, you know, there's many of us. We do have our personal struggles. We have personal challenges. But I want you to know that God is the one who's writing the story of your life. And he knows the ending. Amen. And guess what? The ending is always going to be glorious for us in Christ. Even though it might not be in this life. But we know it's going to end in glory for all of us. Amen. That's why we have to persevere in faith that, yes, Lord, I'm willing to accept. Even though I don't like what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, but I know, God, that you're going to use what I'm going through for someone to come to know the Lord. For someone to be encouraged. For them to know that there is resurrection after the cross. Amen? That it doesn't end at the cross. It doesn't end in the grave. But Jesus rose again on the third day. So there is life. There is hope. And that's my prayer is that you will cling to that hope that's found in Christ. Society says happiness is a pain-free life. That's what people say. It's a pain-free life. That's not true. Society says your suffering is because of the wrong you've done in your life. This world lives off that word karma, and we don't live by that. 
Because if it, were, if, we, if it were by karma, we would all be gone by now, right? Remember, if Jesus were to deal with us based on our sins, we wouldn't even be here today. But because of God's grace, we are forgiven. Because of God's grace, we have second and third and fifth chances. And we don't abuse it for that reason. We understand that he saved me and his grace is available to bring me back up, to take me back up and to keep walking, to keep persevering, to know that Jesus is the one that perfected me. I cannot perfect myself. Amen? He's the one that perfected me. Understand this. All the wrongs that happen to your life are not necessarily the choices you made. There's some things that happen in your life because God wants to use what you've gone through to save someone. Because I always ask the Lord that because, like I said, I was like, I wish I had a good family. I wish I grew up in a good home. You know, I wish I had parents that would come to my games and support me. I wish I had all of that. But the Lord showed me that if it weren't for your brokenness, you wouldn't have come to know me. Because it was because of that brokenness, because of me trying to seek love. That's what led me to the Lord because I was broken. And God will use whatever is necessary for you to come to faith. So whatever you're going through right now, don't give up. God is with you in that story. He will guide you. He will bless you and help you through it. Society says if God loved you, he would have kept you away from pain and suffering. I wish none of the things that happened to the Israelites and the Palestines, you know, that really broke my heart when I heard the news. And I've been praying this week for it because I can't imagine what they're going through and the suffering and amount of pain that they're dealing with. And we live in a country, praise God, that we could freely worship and love the Lord. Amen. We have a, and praise God for everyone who shed their blood so that we can have the freedom we have today to worship Jesus. But, you know, we wish that God can keep us away from the pain and suffering of this life. But he didn't promise that. He says we are going to suffer, especially when we come to Christ. We are going to suffer. We are going to deal with things in our life. But God is the one who will carry us through. Amen. I cannot do it by myself, but through God's power and his strength, through the Holy Spirit, I can persevere and finish the race he has called me to fulfill. So six, happiness is being content with God's will. Happiness is being content with God's will. Because I know we don't like to be content we, as human beings, but when we come to the place of acceptance of God's will and stop getting angry or bitter or depressed about our situation we'll begin to see God use us in ways we never thought we could be used for his glory. I remember Bethany Hamilton, right? You guys, I don't know if you remember, but, you know, her arm got bit off, right, by the shark. And she goes, so she went through a series of questioning and doubting God, like, God, why did this happen? I want to be this famous surfer and, and be known and, and win all of these championships as possible as a surfer. And next thing you know, her, a shark bit off her arm. But, you know, God put her in a place where she transformed the why into a what. And that's what really changed the game. Instead of you being a victim and saying, why, why, Lord, why me, why me, why we? She said, you know what, I'm going to, Lord, you have impressed in my heart. Instead of saying, why, what will you do to use what I've gone through for your glory? So she stopped being the victim and saying, why did I go through this? Why did I have to face all of these challenges? She transformed it into a what. She says, what do you want to use me for, Lord? that I've gone through. And now the Lord has done many things in her life. She kept surfing and now she's winning many awards even though with one arm, right? And she's preaching and telling people about Jesus. So we have to be in a place where we will accept and be content with God's will, whatever it is, whether it's, it's a hard season that you're going through. You're going to accept it and say, God, I know you know what's ahead for me. And number seven, happiness is believing that God will use your struggles 
for a greater purpose. Amen? Happiness is believing that God will use your struggles for a greater purpose. Now, verse 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower here, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but yourself, lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him, of that person, when he returns in glory, and the glory of the earth and the holy angels. So we see here what a powerful statement that Jesus said in verse 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, what do you have to do? You must give up your own way. So we got to give up our own desires, our own things that are contrary to God's. Take up your cross daily. It's going to be not easy to do. It's going to be hard for us, but we know it's for a greater purpose because we want to follow and love the Lord. Amen? So everything that you want to live your life is to bring happiness to God, not bring happiness to yourself. Because a lot of people have that wrong idea. What can church do for me? What can, what can they do to serve me? A lot of people come to church with that mentality is what can the church do for me? Instead, we should say, you know, what can I do for the Lord? And that's what happiness is. I want to serve the Lord. I want to please the Lord. I want to love the Lord and not having, wanting others to serve me. And it says in verse 24, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. It's so true. If you live your life trying to get happiness based on the world or the American view of happiness, you end up losing it. There's so many people who try super hard to live and live a, a rich life and have everything they want. And next thing you know, they die at 21 or 23. They don't have it all. People who live for this world will eventually lose it. But what I love about the second part of 24, it says, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will what? Save it. Amen? When you give up your life for Christ, you will save it. When you give up your, your desires that are contrary to God for the Lord, you will save it. And in verse 25, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but yourself lost or destroyed? There's many people who have so much of what the world can offer, but many of them are broken, are lost, are not truly happy. Because the enemy wants you to believe if you have all the money in the world, you'll be happy. If you have the best of everything and you're rich, you'll be happy. But that's not true. You'll only be happy when you know the Lord. So what does society say? Happiness is living selfishly for yourself. Do what makes you happy. That's what society says. Who cares about what others think? Do what makes you happy. It's sad because I meet many couples today or many people have a lot of friends where they allow their own happiness to dictate, dictate their decisions. It's so sad because I see many of them, well, they'll leave their children for another woman. They'll leave their, their family, they'll think because they have their own selfish desires. They want to be happy. They're like, oh, I'm not happy. I want to go to another relationship or I want to stop this, or they, they don't care for their kids anymore. And it's terrible to see, but I see a lot of people just being selfish and thinking about themselves and not thinking about the impact of the children and also especially what God thinks about it. Amen? Because a lot of people, we, we, just, we overlook that. We always think about ourselves and we don't think about God or we don't think about the people around us who's going to be affected by our decision. So we don't base it on personal happiness of what we need to do with our lives. We base it on what makes God happy. Amen? What makes him pleased by the decision I'm making? That's what we need to embrace. Number eight, we're almost done. Happiness is surrendering your self-centered desires to Jesus. 
happiness is surrendering your self-centered desires to Jesus. You're like, Jesus, I have these feelings that I struggle with. I know they're not right. I know they're not of you. But I'm willing to surrender to you because I know that's what you want me to do. And when you battle with that, when you give it to the Lord, you will see him change you and help you. And you end up losing that desire that you struggle with. You know, even Paul had struggles, right? He's, he's like, man, the things I don't want to do are the things I keep doing, right? And the things I want to do, I don't do. You know, so, but what I love about what he says, but he says, praise be to God who gives us victory, amen, in Christ Jesus. So there's victory in Christ Jesus. So don't give up. If you have struggles, be real with the Lord. Lord, I struggle with these desires that are not of you. Help me, Lord, because I want to follow your way of happiness, not my way of happiness. And last but not least, this is so important. The last point I want to share to you this morning. Following God's path of happiness will produce fruitful blessings for your generational line. Amen? Following God's path of happiness will produce fruitful blessings for your generational line. That's what I'm living by. Because I had a generational line that's full of divorce, full of adultery in my generational line. But now that I'm in Christ... I'm believing and claiming that I'm going to have a new family that's full of blessing and full of hope and full of good things ahead because we have Christ as the center of my marriage with my wife. Amen? So I truly believe when you allow yourselves to think about what pleases God and what will, will please the Lord and what makes my family happy, and specifically your wife or your husband or your children, that's what you need to think about and look it's going to be a long line of generations that's going to be full of blessing and full of peace and full of restoration. Amen. That's why I really applaud those who have known the Lord for more than 20 years because you have faithfully loved and served the Lord. And now your family is coming to know the Lord. And even if they're right now not with the Lord, eventually I tell you, all your prayers, all your sacrifice and love will eventually come to fruit. Amen. That you will see them coming back to the Lord and loving. Because if you knew who I was before I met the Lord, I was the least likely person to come preach before you. Because out of all my siblings and cousins, I was the one who's always in trouble. I was the rebellious one. I was the one who wouldn't think would be coming to God and loving the Lord. I tell you, Jesus is reaching people you never thought he would reach. And he's changing lives. And he wants to change your life and bring a new generational blessing that will last for eternity. Amen. So my prayer is that you will think of what God, what makes God happy, what makes my family line in line with God's will. I'm willing to surrender my desires for the glory of Christ. I'm willing to surrender it every day, the struggles I've, I'm experiencing, so the Lord will mold me into his likeness. And the Lord will eventually say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Don't you want to hear those words? Amen. Have you been blessed this morning? Praise God. Let's, if, you, if you can, please. Bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this message unto the Lord. Jesus, um, I just want to thank you, God, for just, uh, you know, just touching Pastor Kirk about this, you know, this message about, you know, Jesus never said. And I, I wish I knew of this message when I was a new Christian, Lord, because I, I struggled with this. I didn't understand. I thought, I thought Jesus came to make me happy. I thought, you know, my life coming to Christ is to do whatever, you know, that he will do whatever it takes to make me happy. But, Lord, what I realize, it's not him making me happy, but what I can do to make Jesus happy. So I pray, Jesus, that you continually change us, that you mold us to your likeness, God. I pray that you remove our selfishness. Lord, I pray that you remove pride. 
I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that you mold us, that you help us to become selfless, to represent you, Lord. I pray, God, right now, who, if you're struggling right now, you have desires, things that you struggle with that you know, like, I know this is not of God and I know this is not what God wants me to do, that you lay it before the Lord. And when you're real and honest with the Lord, he will change you and mold you and he will help you through those struggles. And you will see yourself making Jesus happy instead of you making yourself happy. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you, oh Lord, that you help us to surrender. Lord, help us to surrender, to let go, and to let you lead our life, oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the greatest joy of all is to know you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us, that you help us, and that you'll guide us. Because you are the one who is writing the story of our life. So, Jesus, we will be content. We will accept your will for our lives. We thank you, Jesus, that out of your will, good things will come about, Jesus. That there is going to be good fruit. That you are going to, good things are going to come ahead of us because we choose to follow Jesus. We choose to obey Jesus. For I remember in your word, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice, God. You don't want our service. You don't want the things that we do. You want our love and you want our obedience. So I pray, Jesus, that you give us a heart of obedience, that you give us a heart that is willing to love you, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without you. Empower us, O oh Lord, to be the best parents, to be the best spouse we can be, the best disciple of Jesus, the best follower of Jesus. Help us, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.